Amen. So we are continuing our series that we have called United We Stand. And uh, <clears throat> as I've said before, uh, when I became a Christian when I was 19, I decided that instead of reading commentaries and, and other books about Christianity, that I would just read the Bible and find out what that had to say. Since I didn't have all this other stuff uh, already taught to me, and there seemed to be all these various groups that had varying opinions, that, well, I'm just going to read the Bible, listen to it on tape, and see what it has to say. And one of the things that I found uh, in the Scriptures that was different from the Christian world was, in this book, the believers are unified. They're one. In the Christian world, there seemed to be this self-righteous division. Well, we're not the hymn church. We we don't wear robes and have candles at our church. You know, we've got cool music. They're the bad people because they have old music. Well, I I just didn't see that in here. <laughs> you know, that division was not in here. And uh as we as we saw, we're going to just go through a few verses that we looked at. Jesus prayed that we would be one. Uh, In John 17, Jesus prayed that those who would believe the message of, of His Gospel, I'll just read it here, John 17, My prayer is not for them alone, that is not just the disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in Me through their message, which that would be us that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So he wants us to be one like he, like Jesus and the Father and to be in complete unity. That's the prayer of Jesus and I believe the prayer of Jesus can be answered. <clears throat> However, it hasn't been answered yet. <laughs> Some time has passed since he prayed that prayer. And so we need to realize that this is a daunting task. But let's understand the consequences. Matthew 12, 25. Let's quick recap here. How many houses divided against themselves will stand? None. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. How about the kingdom of God? Jesus prayed in the, in the Lord's Prayer to His Father. He said, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And in His kingdom on earth, there is great division. And this has brought what He said. It won't stand. We've we've withered. We've seen trouble. Last one, uh, Travis quoted this one for me, so that's pretty helpful. Is the, is the worldly culture destroying the church in America? So be careful now. I, if you weren't here the last couple weeks, I tricked them with this the first time. They, they gave the wrong answer. 
I mean, is, is a culture where they kill you for having a Bible study with your little girlfriends, is that going to destroy the gospel? No. What about ours? We just, I mean, come on. So is the worldly culture destroying the church in America? No, it does not have that power. Matthew 16, 17 and 18. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. The culture does not have the power to overcome God's church. The only danger is that we would self-destruct through division. I believe the enemy has had the upper hand in America because we have self-destructed through division. And so we've been talking for the last uh, several weeks about that. (coughs) Pardon me. And we've been dealing with a lot of different issues along these lines of unity. We've been working through the book of 1 Corinthians. And in the book of 1 Corinthians, we took a little sidetrack into Romans. And now we're going to continue in Romans uh, chapter 14. Try to get through chapter 14 today. Uh, you know, I intended for this series to end this week. It's just not going to happen. It's gonna, we're gonna be going, I think, uh, several weeks into June because we need to deal with this. We need to understand how do we interact with people who are wrong? Are there Christians who are wrong? They're just flat wrong. How do we deal with that? What if we're just a little bit wrong? How do, how do we deal with the imperfections and just the goofiness that's going on? And stand unified for Christ. How do we manage that? How do we handle that? It's very important. Um, last week, uh, um, this is the summary of last week's message. Last time, we talked about every knee will bow, so just relax, they'll get theirs. Right? Every knee will bow. Doesn't matter who you are. They say, you know, there, some people say there's many paths to God. Every path leads to God. Some of them lead to Him and then judgment. Others, <laughs> the one that we know, Christ, leads to Him and then eternal life. Everyone will bow before the living God. No one will escape that. So if you want to make sure that somebody is told how wrong they are, just relax. They're not going to get away with it. Everything's coming to light. We can just calm down. You don't need to be the one to make sure the whole wide world knows that so-and-so is doing something wrong. Every knee will bow. So just relax. And then, of course, if they're going to get theirs, what about us? That's why we need Christ. Um, Because there isn't a single one of us that can stand before the throne of God and say, you need me because of how great I am. I deserve to be here. There isn't a single one of us who can do that. So we just survive through the forgiving power of Christ. So, 
Let's keep going in Romans chapter 14 and, and get a little bit deeper into this. Romans 14, let's read 12 and 13. We finished with 12 last week. We'll start with 13. We'll try to get through the whole chapter. I think we can do it. Romans 14, 12, and 13. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, here's the instead. Now, have you ever heard that Christians are judgmental? What if we just replaced that? Instead of being judgmental, instead, we did this thing that the Scripture says we should do instead of that. What if we did the instead? What is it? Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. Is your brother going somewhere? I am firmly convinced that God is dealing with each one of us in here and everyone who's not in here. No one is off God's radar. Every believer has a relationship with the Lord and He's guiding that person. Every believer. They're going somewhere. Every unbeliever, the Lord is trying to connect with one way or another. Through people, through circumstances, through a variety of ways. No one is off God's radar. Don't put a stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. Your brother is going somewhere. Other Christians are going somewhere. Where is that? What is this thing that we're not supposed to mess up? We're not supposed to put an obstacle in their way. We're not supposed to put a stumbling block in their way. What is it? Anybody realize that faith is a journey? <laughs> this is that faith journey Paul is talking about. We, we come to know the Lord and then there's the growth and development and the process of getting better at being a Christian and starting to, to, bear fruit for the kingdom, get involved in various ministry outlets, whatever it may be. Uh, you might get sent to some foreign country. But tell you what, cleaning the church is a big deal. It's a big deal. Norman Tyke have been cleaning the church since it was built. And they're, man, that's a huge, huge ministry. That's bearing fruit for the kingdom of God. So there's this journey And stumbling blocks can get put in front of us in the journey. Has anyone experienced that? Another believer, another Christian, a person who professes Christ, made your journey with God more difficult. Perhaps made a sidetrack. Perhaps you hit it and didn't realize it was there, and you hit it really hard and it knocked you down. And you weren't sure if you could get up. Are these real, these stumbling blocks, these obstacles in our faith journey, stumbling blocks that come from other Christians? That's why Paul says, don't do this. Instead of being judgmental, instead of bringing out the sledgehammer and making sure people know what they're doing wrong, don't put an obstacle in their way. They are moving. There is this journey they're going through. Do no harm. Get the obstacles out of the way. Let them grow with God. God has a plan for them. God is working on them. Don't mess it up. Amen? Amen. Come on. You're there. You look so serious today. You're... I should tell a joke. <laughs> 
Uh-oh, maybe later. I got short, I got short time. I'm on the first verse. I'm trying to get through this whole chapter. There's so much in here. One time somebody asked me, do you ever like not know what to say on a Sunday? Like, are you ever like, I don't know what to say? I tell you what, I got more to say than I think I'm going to get really, really old before I'm done talking. That's a big book. There's a lot in there. And the good news is I don't have to come up with something cool to say. I just read this and talk about it. Isn't that great? It's already there. We're not going to come up with some new ideas. We're going to stand on the, on the eternal truth of God. All right. What is a stumbling block or obstacle? We've acknowledged that they're there. We've experienced them. What are these things? In this case, in Romans 14, it was unnecessarily correcting someone who is wrong on a particular point, but who's honestly trying to serve God. Unnecessarily correcting someone who's wrong on a particular point, but they're honestly trying to serve God. They're afraid to eat meat because they think, oh man, what if God doesn't like me if I eat meat? Well, Paul clearly states, and the Bible's very clear, you can eat meat. That's fine. Back then it was a big deal. Trying to figure out what are my, what, what sort of diet should I eat? What shouldn't I? They're going from the kosher law into this grace business and they're trying to figure out, you know, well, but don't I get in trouble if I eat meat? If I eat the wrong stuff, isn't that really bad? And so they're trying to get this figured out. And so somebody, Wanting to serve God and honor God, they're like, you know, I'm not going to eat that. I'm going to eat, I'm going to eat green beans. You know, green beans are okay. I'll do that. So instead of having the, uh, uh, the courage to eat meat, they're afraid to do so. What does Paul say our response should be? Go, well, okay. Rather than, oh, you don't, you can eat meat. You can do whatever you want. It's the good's grace now. We're back to Abraham. You know, Abraham, man of faith. Then there was the Moses law business. We're back there now. It's the bell curve. We're good. We don't have to worry about that. So can you eat a hamburger? Sure. But if somebody's like, you know what? I'm trying to serve God. I'm, I'm, I'm getting the bad things out of my life. I'm not going to do hamburgers anymore. We go, oh. Well, isn't that interesting? You know, rather than you fool, you can eat hamburgers. Let them figure it out. God's working with them. It's good that they're starting to deny themselves and try to serve God. They're wrong, but they're trying. They're on the path. They're on the journey. Don't you put something in front of them? They're learning. How many of us have it all figured out? You guys, just, oh, only two. <laughs> only two. So, so what we want to do is, is make sure those two don't put stumbling blocks in the front of the rest of us as we try to figure this thing out. Because it's tricky. It's tricky stuff. (laughs) All right. 
So I'm going to define stumbling block as anything that interferes with another's progress in Christ. Don't put stuff in front of them that's going to interfere with their progress. They're on this journey with the Lord. Don't you mess it up. Don't you get in front of them and goof it up. And again, we've experienced that. There's a book out there called Why Do Bad Christians Happen to Good People? This would be the stumbling block situation. I haven't read it, but I should get a copy of it. The title is beautiful. Um, so we don't want to put stumbling blocks in front of people, but you know about the ditches. Remember the ditches? Usually in every concept, you can go too far one way or you can go too far the other way. Sometimes when we talk about don't put stumbling blocks in front of people, it's like, just let them do whatever. Yes, doesn't really matter. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about when somebody's honestly trying to serve God. They've prayed about it. They've studied about it. And they have, are firmly convinced in their heart, this is what God wants me to do. You encourage them even if they're not quite right. But if they're slipping into something they shouldn't be involved in, that's when they need a hand out of it. They need a, a little... Friendly reminder to get back on track. So we don't want to go so so far off to where, well, I don't want to put a stumbling block. I don't want to confront them on their sin. Well, let a friend do that. Again, the uh, we have a dress code here. Did you know that? It's uh, wear whatever you want as long as it's clean and modest. Unless you're new, then we'll just not worry about it. Uh, that seems reasonable. However, I want to be the one that enforces that. I don't want anybody else doing that. Because what if we have a brand new person here who's trying to find Jesus and is like, you know what? I'm going to go to church. And I think I'm going to... There's one over by the by Super One, I think. I think I'm going to go there. And they show up and it's it's not what we think is great dress. And somebody goes, oh, you can't come in here like that. What just happened? Stumbling block. Stumbling block just got put in their path. We don't want that. What we want to do is we want to encourage people in their journey with Christ. Man, I could go till 2 o'clock. Romans 14. 14. 14, 14. Just keep saying 14, it'll be right. So here Paul says, as one who is in the Lord Jesus, I am fully convinced that no food is unclean by in itself. So he's saying, it doesn't matter what you eat. You can eat the hamburger or a hot dog, or you cannot eat the hamburger or a hot dog. That's perfectly fine. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for him it is unclean. Look at that. Can there be a situation where somebody should not eat meat. Yes. If they think to themselves, wow, I probably shouldn't eat meat. They're practicing hearing from God. They're practicing understanding their conscience, the co-knowing between them and God, their spirit, God's spirit. They're trying to get this figured out. Now, they haven't quite got it yet because they're a little off. You can eat meat. But if they're convinced they shouldn't, then for them, it is unclean. Look at that. So we don't want to mess with that, do we? Can you listen to non-Christian music? 
We have a variety of answers to that question. I'm firmly convinced that some music is bad, but a lot of it is just whatever. I I knew a guy who was adamantly opposed to anything but Christian-labeled music. Had to be considered Christian. He wouldn't even listen to classical music. He was like, no Bach for me. I'm only listening to Christian music. Now, Bach wrote most of his stuff for the church, so it actually is Christian music, but he didn't know that. And so for him, Bach was unclean. It's my job to go, wow, that's quite a conviction you've got there. Praise God that you're, you're doing what you can to serve Him. The Lord bless you on your journey in learning and understanding. <laughs> that's my job. Not to straighten that out at that moment. Praise God. I mean, I'd rather have more people with convictions than the way that the culture's going right now inside the church. I'd rather have people cleaning themselves out of Bach because where's their line? You know what I mean? Um, but then don't club other people with that either. <coughs> Your job is not to put a stumbling block in there. This is, somebody's messing with the clock. Because it is, it's about 10.30, I'm sure of it. Oh, man. You're going to come back? Because I'll let you eat if you're going to come back. But if you don't come back, and this is my only opportunity, then then I'm going to hang on. Thank you, Kay. Let's read another verse. Romans fourteen fifteen. If your brother is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy your brother for whom Christ died. This takes it deeper than stumbling block language. Do not destroy... Do not destroy your brother. Do we have the power to destroy? I wish everybody had the strength to overcome. But you know, there are people with weak faith who can be severely damaged by our mistakes. I wish they were stronger. It just isn't always like that. We need to be very careful to do no harm. We need to be very careful to do no harm. Destroy is here in Romans 14. There's another destroy a little bit later in the chapter that we'll talk about next week. It's a different Greek word. Oh, should we go there real quick? Should I? But then, then the hooks aren't in you for next week. Where is it? Is that verse 20? Has that got destroy in it? Verse 20. The word destroy, destroy your brother, it, it just means destroy. It means to destroy. This other word, 
the core root of it is the word loosen. It's to loosen down or to basically take apart. To loosen. To destroy through loosening. That's the word in the Greek. Do not... Oops. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. Do not destroy the work of God. What is the work of God? It's bringing us through this journey. Right? It's, it's we come to realize, wow, there's more around than just the stuff in front of me. There's a spirit world. There's stuff going on that I've never understood before. Wow! And God is bringing us through that, clarifying and helping us to understand who Jesus is, the plan of salvation, how we can overcome the enemy, how we can get strong and fill our purpose in the body of Christ. He's bringing us through. That's the work of God. And we can separate people from that. We don't destroy God. We're not going to destroy God's plan, but we can loosen people from it by our failures. Is this serious business? It's a serious business. This is why we want to be good at being Christians. We want to get good at this so that we do as little harm as possible. I am fully convinced that there are thousands of people within five minutes of this place that God is working on. Amen? Thousands of people within five minutes of this place that God is working on. I am also convinced that there's a little over a hundred people in this place that God is working on. Two are done. The rest have work to do. (laughs) See, I was trying to do the emotional, like, oh, moment, and I told a joke. See, (laughs) messed all that up. (laughs) But I, I am firmly convinced that the Lord is working on us in here. What does He want to do? What is the work of God in your life today? What is it? Is there a a root of bitterness in there that needs to be broken? Is there a fear that we can't turn into faith that stops us from advancing on this journey? Is it a fairly superficial thing like a financial hardship or a a difficult marriage or things like that? What is the work that God wants to do in your life today? Is He able to do it? I pray there's no stumbling blocks in front of you. And I pray you're open to it. We're going to close in prayer. And I want you, just to yourself, name what the work of God is in your heart. And let's believe God He can take care of it. When I'm done, we're going to have the prayer team come forward and and people can come up here and pray. Um, if the work of God is to introduce you to Him, come on up. We had somebody come up and pray salvation prayer last week. People are, are getting connected with God. Whatever it is, even if you just need a little extra help, we'll pray with you.
God, God answers when His people pray. But right now, what is the work God wants to do in your heart? Find it. Search for it. Close your eyes and think, what is it, Lord? Find it. Name it. And let's let the Lord do some work. Heavenly Father, I thank You that You care about each one of us. Lord, that You have a path for us laid out. And Lord, it's, it's, sometimes it's tough when there's a lot of obstacles and difficulties and stumbling blocks and destruction on our path. But we know You are well able to bring us all the way to You. That we can trust You when we give our lives to You, when we give our hearts and our souls to You, You are worthy. And You will keep us. We thank You, Lord, for that. Father, I pray for each one in here who has found that work that You're doing in their life. I pray for a breakthrough right now. By Your Spirit, Lord, bring freedom through forgiveness. Bring Freedom through faith. Bring freedom in our lives, Lord. Overcoming power. Praise be to Your name. Father, bless us and encourage us. Father, I pray Your blessing over each one of us here today. Your strength, Your love be in us that we can share it with others. Father, I pray that you bless our time now as we fellowship here in a few minutes when everything gets organized. Lord, just bless the food. Help us to be able to meet somebody we don't know and encourage them in the Lord. Give them a boost instead of a stumbling block. Lord, help us to be able to have deep, firm connections in your kingdom. Praise be to your name. So bless us and encourage us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.